Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, Vanguard family and any other visitors who might be joining us, Pastor Kerry here. I once heard a fable that described what it would be like if the devil decided to go out of business and offered his tools for sale. Apparently, there was a market for his tools as several entrepreneurial upstarts wanted to see if they could do better than he did in marketing evil. So, several of the adversary's tools were attractively displayed such as trickery, hatred, jealousy, malice, deceit, sensuality, and several other vices, each with an aggressively marked down price. But in the center of the sale was a wedge-shaped, very worn tool priced higher than all the others. What was it, you ask? Well, one of the customers actually asked that question. What is that? He asked the adversary. To which the devil replied, that there is discouragement. But why is it so costly? Asked the customer. Sensing his interest, the adversary flexed his salesmanship muscles and explained, because discouragement can do my evil work better than any other tool I have. With it, I can make the lives of believers of no value. I can make them just lie down, give up, and become useless. And the amazing thing about this tool is that they don't even know I'm the one using it. Well, thankfully, the Lord knows who is behind the tool of discouragement. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit inspired the author of Hebrews to pen the words that we're going to be looking at briefly today. So, before we do that, though, would you join me as I open our time in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for packing the Scriptures not only with many verses of encouragement, but also with many reminders to encourage others. It reveals once again, Lord, how well you know us. You know that we are prone to discouragement and you know that we're able to encourage others. Father, please, would you use this time in your word today to encourage our hearts and also to make us better encouragers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I want to invite you to open up your copy of God's word with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And as you turn there, let me give you just a little bit of context uh, for the verses that we'll be looking at today. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, uh, was a letter most likely written to young Jewish converts who were being pressured by their Jewish peers who had not yet received Christ to renounce their new faith. Like most of the believers in the New Testament, the recipients of this letter were being persecuted for their faith and struggling with discouragement. 
However, the Holy Spirit inspired the author of this letter to provide a remedy for discouragement. And thankfully, you and me are a part of that remedy. And so, if you would look at Hebrews chapter 3 with me, I'm going to read verses 12 to 14. Follow along with me. The author writes, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Well, uh, here's the first point on your outline, which I hope you downloaded off of our website. The first point that the author is making today about encouragement, and that is, at the root of discouragement is often unbelief. At the root of discouragement is often unbelief. The necessity for encouragement is created by the existence of discouragement. The author of Hebrews is saying that discouragement is most often caused by unbelief. Now, I'm saying most often here because I do think there are some rare occasions in which discouragement or depression can have a physiological cause. But discouragement is most often born out of doubting God's character or the reliability of His promises. When we doubt God's goodness and we doubt His love and His ability to provide and His sovereignty and all the other great things in His character, it's easy to see how it can lead to discouragement. Thus, discouragement is most often a theological problem, not an emotional one. And the reason for this is our true theology, what, what, and when I say theology, what I mean is what we think about God, our true theology drives our emotions. In other words, what we really believe about God, which is our theology, always drives our emotions. Thus, the inverse is true too. Our emotions often reveal our true theology. Now, if you would take a look at the text with me, there's some key words and phrases I want to make sure I highlight for you. Uh, for example, in verse 12, he says, take care. Now, the word used here in the original text means to see uh, with a strong emphasis on the eye that sees as opposed to the one that is blind. In this context, it means to be on the lookout for unbelief, not just in our own hearts, but I think also in the hearts of other believers in the church. I think the author is referring to our own hearts and other believers. Like There's this sense of gravity in the text about catching the symptoms of unbelief and discouragement early on, much like you would want to do with cancer or heart disease. Uh, as though the sooner the unbelief can be diagnosed, the better chance there is of preventing irreparable damage or even death. Notice also in verse 12, 
the author says, uh, take care lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Commentator A.T. Robertson insightfully points out that although the Greek word for heart used here, which is cardia, it can be found more than a thousand times throughout the scriptures, the phrase, though, evil heart, can only be found three times, once here and twice in Jeremiah, referring to the unbelief of the people of Israel. It's describing more than unbelief, though. Rather, the Greek word is describing a disbelief or a refusal to believe. Therefore, it's not a sin to be discouraged, but a prolonged season of discouragement because one is refusing to believe the Lord reveals an even bigger problem. And we see this in the next phrase in verse 12. He says, leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, the word used in that phrase, falling away, in the original text refers to apostasy. It means the withdrawing from a personal relationship with God or the withdrawing from religion. Now, just to be clear, apostasy is not losing one's salvation because that's biblically impossible. And we know that from other parts of the scriptures. Actually, to apostatize, meaning to leave the faith, really means there was no saving faith in that individual's heart in the first place. So, if we are all vulnerable to unbelief, and unbelief can lead some to fall away, meaning it can reveal they are actually not saved, then what's the solution? Well, thankfully, the author answers that question. Here's point number two on your outline. Encouragement is the antidote to unbelief. You've probably seen at least a few superhero or spy movies in which a major part of the story arc is uh, one of the good guys being injected with a deadly virus or poison by the villain. This then creates an urgency and a tension throughout the rest of the movie as the hero races to get the antidote to the victim in order to save their life. Well, in a similar sense, encouragement is the antidote to unbelief. We see it in verse 13, where uh, the author says we should exhort one another. Some translations render this encourage or to warn. Why, Why the diversity in the renderings? Well, it comes from, to exhort, comes from the Greek word parakaleo which has a wide variety of meanings, ranging from tough to tender, actually. It can mean, sometimes in the New Testament, to encourage. Sometimes it means to admonish in a, in a corrective tone. And other times it means to comfort. So, what does encouragement mean? After surveying the scriptures on this topic, and if, if I was to boil it all down into one sentence, what does encouragement mean? I, I would define it like this. Encouragement is affirming the Spirit's work in another's life or reminding them of the work God has promised to do. For example, it, it could be to call out, encouragement could be to call out evidence of the indwelling spirit in someone's character, such as, you know, 
I thank the Lord that you are such a compassionate person because we have a lot of hurting people in our church. Or another way to encourage someone could be to affirm what God has promised to do by saying something like, I know you may feel like God has abandoned you right now, but Isaiah 41 says that he has chosen you, not forsaken you, and that he will strengthen you. Now let's pause the video for a moment. I'd like you to talk about this discussion question. Why do you think we don't encourage fellow believers more often? Why, why do we not encourage fellow believers more often? If you would talk about that for a moment, and I'll be right back. Well, I'm sure you came up with some very good ideas. Here's a few that came to my mind. Why don't we do this more often? Well, here's letter A on your outline. Some believers have the spiritual gift of encouragement. That's why they do it more often and more naturally than the rest of us do. Paul mentions the uh, spiritual gift of encouragement along with several other gifts in Romans chapter 12. In Romans 12 verse 8 is where the gift of encouragement is specifically mentioned. Now those who have received the gift of uh, encouragement will find it natural, it just will come easy for them to affirm others, whereas it will feel unnatural to the rest of us. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that we're exempt from doing it. Instead, I think the Lord gives spiritual gifts to the church so that we have specialists who can show us how to do essential ministries in the church that the Lord wants done. Similar to evangelism, there are some who have the gift of evangelist, but all Christ followers are called to evangelize. Now, the next two reasons I'm going to give you, letter B and C in your outline, are fruits of pride that I think we all struggle with from time to time because of our inherited sin nature. So here's letter B, another reason why we don't encourage more. And that is, we may have a critical spirit. To have a critical spirit is to dwell upon the perceived weaknesses of another person with no grace, no impartiality, or good intentions. Thus, if we are constantly observing and dwelling upon the weaknesses of others, we will not be able to see the positive things that God is doing in and through them. The Lord's helped me grow in this area by using an unusual source the poet Ralph Waldo Emerson. Emerson once wrote this, Every man or woman is my superior in some way, in that I can learn from him or her. In other words, what Emerson was saying is that if we choose to focus on the strengths of other people instead of their weaknesses, we'll find qualities that we can affirm in them. It starts with being aware of our own weaknesses and then looking for the things that other believers are better at than us. And we can all find something. Again, if, so long as we're aware of what we're not good at. Here's a third reason, letter C on your outline. Our sin nature makes us selfish. I, I think we sometimes fail to encourage others because we want to be encouraged first. So we kind of have this 
childlike mantra in our head of, well, I'm not going to encourage someone until they encourage me. This is especially more likely if we are discouraged. When we are discouraged, it's very easy to become self-focused and oblivious to other people's needs. I have often wondered if encouragement is commanded so often as it is in the New Testament because it gets our eyes off of ourselves and it forces us to praise what God is doing in someone else's life. And that's good. So, what does encouragement look like? Well, if discouragement is caused by unbelief, then the purpose of encouragement is to strengthen belief. Encouragement is it's like the refreshment that comes from a glass of sweetened iced tea on a hot summer day. Or it's like the comfort of a hot cup of hot chocolate on a cold winter night. Or there are a myriad of ways to encourage a fellow believer that are more effective than the cliche, hey, I'm praying for you. And here's just a few that I know have blessed me over the years when people have encouraged me. Uh, for example, you could send a handwritten note or an email or a text that says something like, seeing how good you are at X, whatever it is, has inspired me to grow in this area too. You're better at X than I am, so I'm learning from you. Maybe it's managing money, or maybe it's encouraging others, or being compassionate or serving others. But just saying, hey, I'm learning from you. You're great at that. Thank you for your example. can be a blessing. You could also give them a hug and just say something specific, like, I'm glad you're here. I'm thankful the Lord put you in my life. Or, you're really good at what you do. Or, I've been looking forward to seeing you. Something else you can do to encourage others is to seek their counsel in an area of their expertise. Like, hey, can I, can I get your advice on this topic? You're more knowledgeable or more gifted at this than I am. You see, doing so not only shows humility on your part, but it also affirms an area of strength in the advisor. Of course, something else you can do is give a thoughtful gift that meets a need. And that's always a blessing as well. Well, as we wrap up our observations on the text, notice how the author of Hebrews gives us a prescribed frequency. You see it there in verse 13. He says, exhort one another every day. I mean, this is something we're supposed to look for opportunities to do each day. Then he gives us a pertinent urgency. He says, do it as long as it is called today, meaning the day is coming when Jesus will return and we will stand before his judgment seat and give an account for our lives. Therefore, it's our shared responsibility as a church to make sure that our brethren are in a good place with the Lord and to make sure those who aren't saved actually get saved. Or at least we need to do our part. Next, he gives a perilous responsibility. He says in verse 13, the goal of doing so is that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, I think that last phrase there could refer to the temptation to sin more often that comes with discouragement because we want to feel better. We'll be more often tempted to sin. 
Or it could refer to the gradual hardening of the heart that takes place when somebody repeatedly refuses to believe in the Lord. So, let's talk applications real quick. Here's a couple that come to mind. First of all, I want to encourage you to write down the name, answer this question. Who do you need to encourage this week? Who do you need to encourage? And if you're not sure, ask the Lord to show you. He will. And then write their name down. And then do it. You see, applying God's Word is simply doing what it says. It doesn't have to be hard. And since God's Word says we should encourage our brothers and sisters in the faith, then we need to do it, regardless of how we feel. And then trust the Lord with the results. The next, the second application is, I, I want you to write down specifically what are some practical ways you can encourage them. And be creative. You could use some of the ideas that I mentioned earlier, such as sending a handwritten note or getting a thoughtful gift, or you may come up with some of your own ideas. I mean, there's a ton that you could think of. But please write down how you're going to do it and then commit to do it for them this week. Well, I heard a quote several years ago by the author and poet Mark Twain that I'll never forget. Uh, because it was so simple, yet so profound. And it's never left me. Uh, it goes like this. He said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. <laughs> Boy, have I found that to be true in my life. How about you? So, who do you need to encourage this week so they can persevere in the faith for at least two more months. Don't underestimate how powerful and life-changing your simple act of encouragement can be in the life of another believer. It often means a lot more than you think it does. Well, thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to visit the Give page on our website for instructions on where you can send your tithes and offerings. Your financial support for our ministry is a great encouragement to our leaders. Well, may the Lord bless you and be with you, and I'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.